want to say welcome. And if you're back, I want to say welcome. And I want to say this too. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, uh, please come up to me after service and grab me. I'll try to grab you, but I really want to know all of you. So I'm Daniel, if you didn't know that. I'm the, or the lead pastor here. So growing up, I sincerely had a desire to know God. I really wanted to know him, and I wanted to make my life count. I can remember one specific story when I was, I don't know how it came up, I don't know how this came up, but I was hanging around after my language arts class in eighth grade, talking to my teacher about how I wanted to change the world. Very strange thing for an eighth grader to say. Um, but the point, the reason I share that is I've always wanted to make my life count. I've always wanted to know God and to make him known. And at this point in my life, I believed that Jesus had died for my sins. I had, you know, subscribed to the Bible and, and said that's my belief system. But if I'm honest, I didn't actually know Jesus like I would know a friend. It was more like these religious beliefs I had in my head, but I didn't really know Christ. And because of this, I struggled greatly to get any sort of traction in my faith. I felt like I would go to a conference or a youth group that was particularly powerful, and I'd feel excited for a few days. And then about four or five days later, I would kind of fall back into my old habits and routines, and I fell into partying and, and pornography and, and some different things that uh, just really strangled my relationship with God. And it wasn't until I got to college and came to Chi Alpha that I really realized how to have friendship with God. I finally realized how to have a thriving relationship with Jesus. I realized that to know Jesus personally, I had to know the spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. I realized that Jesus, after he resurrected from the grave, he ascended to heaven, and he went and sat at the right hand of God. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. I, before this, I really didn't have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit was or what he did. I thought he was just kind of like the weird member of the Trinity that we don't talk about or some type of force. But, but Chi Alpha really introduced me to the Holy Spirit and who he is. And I began to follow the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. I began to obey him when he asked me to do hard things. I began to step out of my comfort zone. I began to get up early in the morning and spend time with him. And this relationship with the Holy Spirit transformed my life. It absolutely transformed me. It's the reason I was able to get free of pornography. It's the reason I was able to honor my girlfriend and then wife, Emily. The Holy Spirit enabled me to live the Christian life. And I think there's many of us in this place tonight who we try to live the Christian life. We subscribe to some uh, beliefs about the Bible or about Jesus, but we don't really know how to do it in the way to live the Christian life is to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, to have an intimate relationship with the Spirit of God. Through the Spirit, he can lead us out of sin and into life. He can guide us into greater understanding of the Scriptures and of his truth. Maybe you read the Bible, and it just doesn't make any sense to you. It just doesn't make sense. You can't seem to understand what you're reading, and sometimes it's because it's very confusing. I'll totally admit that. But there's other times when there's spiritual blinders on you, and you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scriptures to you. So when you're reading the Bible, you need to invite him in and say, Spirit of God, help me to understand what you're saying through the scriptures. The Spirit wants to lead you to the people who he wants you to interact with and to spend time with. He wants you to follow his leading on who you allow to be in your inner circle in life. We all have an inner circle, about five to ten people who are the closest to us. And the Spirit wants to have a say in who those people are. The Spirit wants to lead you to your jobs in your callings, and your careers. He doesn't want you just to decide what you want to do without listening to him because he knows exactly what you're supposed to do. 
He knows exactly what you were wired and created to do, and he wants you to listen to his leading and his guidance. The Spirit wants you to live in the right places at the right time, to follow him, to see where those places are. He wants to empower you to be bold in your faith, to not be a timid Christian, but to be bold, to be a lion or a lioness for God, to be a warrior for God. He wants to empower you to be all that he's called you to be, but the only way to be the Christian or the follower of Jesus or the person that you're called to be is to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, people say that the Holy Spirit is the, for, or the forgotten God. So we hear a lot about the Father and a lot about Jesus, but a lot of times we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And for the next three weeks in Kyle, we're going to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit because I truly do think in the church today, the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. He's not talked about enough. So we want to take three weeks to designate just for talking about the Spirit of God, to talk about who he is, to talk about his character, to talk about what he does, how he can help us be who we're called to be on the earth. And I believe if we can get a right understanding and a, re- and a right relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can see great change on our campus. I believe the key to change on our campus, to spiritual awakening on our campus, is if we cultivate a relationship and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the way we change our campus. As the Holy Spirit moves and has its way on our campus, in our hearts, and empowers us to do what he's called us to do, we're going to see transformation. I believe that. So the first week, we're going to talk about having a friendship with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that God wants to have a friendship with you? God wants to be your friend. He wants to be your father. He wants to be your king, but he also wants to be your friend. So tonight, the title of the sermon is Friendship with the Spirit. And we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of every single believer and how he invites us into intimacy and friendship with him. So if you would, turn with me to John chapter 14. Uh, and that's where we're going to kind of hang out tonight. But before we jump into the passage, I want to give you a little bit of background on the Holy Spirit, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. This is going to be a little bit like Bible college for like three minutes, so bear with me, okay? I actually took a lot of this stuff from my Bible college notes, but I want to talk about the Trinity, okay? So this talk of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is probably confusing to you. That's okay. It's confusing to me. It's very confusing, you're not alone. So tonight what I want to do is, is kind of talk first about the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So God is one in essence and three in persons. Okay, he's one in essence and three in persons. He's one, but he's also three. I don't have time tonight to completely dive into this, but I want to give you three points about the Trinity so you can have an accurate understanding of it. So the first thing is this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three distinct persons. They're three distinct persons. And here's some things you can know about the way they relate with each other, Okay. So the Father sent the Son into the world. He sent the Son. The Son, Jesus Christ, prayed to the Father when he was on earth. The Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into the world. The biblical writers refer to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three separate persons. Therefore, they are all distinct from one another. So this means the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. Jesus is God, but he's not Father or the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God, but he's not God the Father or God the Son. There are three different persons and not simply three different ways of looking at God. So Matthew 3, 16 and 17 illustrates this perfectly as Jesus is baptized. Let's read this really quick. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water 
And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. So remember that. We're going to talk about the dove later. He comes like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Okay, so you see the Son being baptized. You see the dove, the Holy Spirit coming and, and resting on the Son. And then you see the Father speaking like you would think of like God speaking. Boom. This is my beloved Son whom I'm, who I am well pleased. Chloe's making fun of me right now. <laughs> but uh, all right. So it's the Holy, there's the Trinity right here. You see all three persons of the Trinity right here. All right, second thing you should know about the Trinity is each of these three persons are fully God. So each member of the Trinity is fully God. They're not just like one-third God or one-part God. They're all fully God, okay? That's the second thing. And the third thing is this. There is only one God. You're like, huh? What is he talking about? <laughs> the scripture says over and over again that there's only one God. So all three persons are the same God. Three persons, one in essence. Try to figure it out. Have fun. All right, Matthew 28, 19 says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, so not names, but in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So they're distinguished as three persons, but then they're uh, referred to in the singular. It's really interesting. All right, so that's the Trinity in a nutshell. If you can hold on to those three things, you'll have an accurate understanding of it without fully understanding it. Does that make sense? So you're not going to fall into error if you hold on to those three things. And the second key thing I want you to get tonight before we jump into the passage is the Holy Spirit was only given to certain people in the Old Testament. So before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit was only given to prophets, priests, and kings. So the Holy Spirit only came for a short time and rested on certain people for certain occasions. So maybe someone needed uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to preach a prophecy. Or maybe someone needed some guidance on how to lead Israel. And the Holy Spirit would empower them in those moments, but the Holy Spirit would not continue to rest on them. He would only come for a while and then, and then leave. And he would only come to certain people. But in Joel, so prophet Joel, he's an Old Testament prophet, probably a crazy guy. Uh, Joel chapter 2. He prophesies of a time when the Holy Spirit's going to be given to all people. Okay, verses 28 and 29 says this of chapter 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my Holy Spirit. I'll pour out my spirit. So Joel, he's way ahead of his time. He's prophesying of a time when the Holy Spirit will come and rest on every single Christian. Sons and daughters, old men, young men, and not just leaders. The Holy Spirit will empower every single Christian to do the work of God. And after Jesus ascends to heaven, we see that happen on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit comes and Jesus baptizes the first disciples in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at that next week. We're not going to look at it tonight. But in the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit is given to all people. Okay, so there's some important, or important background information. And now we're going to jump into John 14. Okay, so this is Jesus' most famous teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's his most famous teaching. And it's really incredible to read Jesus, one member of the Trinity, who spent time with the rest of the Trinity for all of eternity. It's a long time. Talking about another member of the Trinity, so Jesus teaches on the Holy Spirit, and he tells the disciples that it's going to be to their advantage that he goes away so that the Holy Spirit can come. All right, so let's look at it really quick. John 14, 16 through 18, and then we're going to skip up to 26 and 27. Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. And you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so skip down to 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father is going to send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. And let not your hearts be troubled or let them be afraid. Okay, so that's important. And now we're going to skip up uh, to John 16 and read another passage that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is to be judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will speak not on his own authority, but, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare to you. Still with me? All right, we've got a lot of ground to cover. The main idea tonight is this. It's we're called to walk with the Holy Spirit in deep friendship and intimacy. All right, so I'm going to pray and try to stop sweating because it's really warm in here. And then we're going to get back into the message. All right, God, we just pray tonight that you would speak. Spirit, we ask you to have your way. God, we ask you to guide us as we seek to understand the Holy Spirit. God, I pray against any distractions in this place. I pray against any uh, lethargy or uh, falling asleep, any of those types of things, because I believe this is so important. And God, I just pray that you would speak tonight. I pray that you would keep us alive and energized and hear what you have to say about your Holy Spirit tonight. So God, we love you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to make a point, a couple points tonight, and then I have some sub-points, but I have two or three points, but then there's some sub-points, so don't make fun of me. So it might be like 10 points, but we'll see. All right, so the first thing is this. All Christians have the Holy Spirit, all right? All Christians have the Holy Spirit. Something incredibly important to, or to understand is that every born-again believer of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of every Christian, and he's available as a helper to every Christian. So let's read a couple of verses that talk about this. Uh, we just read them, but in John 14, it says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. And you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Spirit is inside of Christians, inside of disciples. I will not leave you as orphans, I'll come to you. And then down in verse 22 Judas, not Iscariot, says, he says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And he says this, he says, anyone who loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make my home with him. So the Holy Spirit's going to make his home inside of Christians. The living God lives inside of you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, he doesn't. Sorry. But if you're a Christian, the living God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 8, 9. He says, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you have the spirit of Christ, that means you belong to God. If you don't, that means you're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. So every single follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. I can't think of a better motivation not to sin. Think about the living God living inside of you, and then you sin and you pursue the things of the world, how much that grieves his heart. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every 
Christian. This is profound, and we take it for granted. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only show up once in a while for certain people. But today, followers of God have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we take it so for granted. We ignore him. We don't listen to him. We don't follow his guidance. He lives in your heart. This is incredible, the access we have to God. A couple days ago, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. I'm sure there's only a few of us who watched it, and I didn't watch it, so a few of you. Everyone who played on the team that season, or this season, or even if it was just for one game, gets a World Series ring. If you played on the team for like one game, you got traded or cut, uh, you still get a ring. And this is how it works in Christianity. Every single follower of Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. So whether you're someone who gives their life for Jesus, or someone who never shares their faith, someone who leads hundreds of people to Jesus, or someone who always keeps their mouth shut and is too scared to say anything about God, it doesn't matter. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit inside. Every Christian gets a World Series ring, so to speak. So what does this mean for us? It means we need to start recognizing his presence and start living like we have the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of you. And that's whether you've been a Christian for a day or for 70 years. God lives in you. It also means we need to start relying on the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on his power for strength. So some of you are tired right now. Classes are busy. The Holy Spirit can bring life to you. He can give you vitality. He can help you with your tests. I've done it before. I've prayed, and I'm like, I did not know that answer. The Holy Spirit gave it to me. The Holy Spirit can help you. Now, don't rely on that all the time. You need to study. The Holy Spirit can come through for you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Rely on him for strength and vitality. It also means we need to ask him for help in our daily task, and we need to follow his leading. The Holy Spirit is not only residing in every Christian, but he's available to help you and guide you. And this leads me uh, to my second point. So the second thing is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper, okay? The Holy Spirit is our helper. So in John 14, 16, we see that. It says that I'm going to send you my helper. And the Greek word for helper is parakletos or paraclete. And this word is a, it's really hard to translate because there's so much to it. There, there's so much packed into this one word, paraclete. It can mean helper. It can mean counselor. It can mean advocate or comforter. But taken together, the word literally means one who comes alongside. So this gives the imagery that the Holy Spirit walks alongside us and guides us moment by moment. So God doesn't just want you to believe some truths about him, but he wants to walk alongside you, have relationship with you. He wants to help you. So when Jesus walked the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. He couldn't be ever at once. But now, through the Holy Spirit, he's accessible and available all the time. So Jesus thought that this was so great, so important, that he told the disciples, which is pretty audacious, he tells the disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away. In John 16, 7, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper is not going to be able to come. So I want you to try something quick, okay? So bear with me. So picture yourself, you're one of the 12 disciples. Okay, you've been walking with Jesus. He's been flipping the earth upside down. He's been raising people from the dead. He's been exercising demons out of people. He's been healing people of incredible diseases and afflictions. He's been teaching you. He's been guiding you. He's like a father, a brother, a best friend, and God all in one to you. And then he says to you, like right before he's about to die, this is to your advantage that I leave. Think about that. 
that would be incredibly threatening to you. It was incredibly threatening to the disciples for Jesus to say something like that. They're thinking, how can it be to our advantage that you go away? You've taught us everything we know. Jesus, we're relying upon you. We need you. Jesus, don't go. That's what they're thinking. They wanted Jesus to set up a kingdom on earth right then and now because they did not want him to leave. But Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I think in a different way, I think many of us are threatened by the Holy Spirit. Just as the, just as the disciples were threatened by the Holy Spirit, I think many of us are threatened by him. I think in theory, we want the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, but we don't really want to let him lead our lives. We don't really want the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do, because if he tells us what to do, then that means we're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable at times. If he tells us what to do, then that means we have to put our dreams aside and follow his dreams for our life. The Holy Spirit is incredibly threatening to us. If we're afraid, are things going to get out of control, like in a service even? We're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want the Holy Spirit to move too much. We don't want things to get crazy. Like, we don't want to scare people. Like, if God shows up here, it's probably going to be crazy, right? He's a God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies, and yet he doesn't get to move as much as he'd like to because we're scared of him. We're threatened by the Holy Spirit. I think we're threatened at what the Holy Spirit might do in our lives if we really let him in and let him guide and lead us. So if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you that Jesus, or just as Jesus said to the disciples that it's to their advantage that he go away, it's to your advantage if the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your life. It's to your advantage. Your life is going to be so much better. It's never going to be the same. You're going to live the life that God has called you to live. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you day in and day out. So, and now my sub points, okay? So, I just want to give you a few ways that the Holy Spirit helps you. I'll, I'll make it very quick. So, the first thing is the Holy Spirit walks with us, okay? So, in chapter 14, it says he'll be with you forever, and he'll dwell in you and be in you. So literally, like, the Holy Spirit, God, like, wants to do life with you. He wants to be with you in your classes. He wants to be with you at the dining center. He wants to be with you in the bathroom. I don't, that's probably weird. But he wants to be with you like, when you're playing video games even. I'm just saying. God wants to be with you. And we can't go anywhere on earth that's too far, too high, or whatever from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be anywhere at any time. We cannot outrun the Spirit's presence. And if you struggle with depression, anxiety, or loneliness, this should give you great hope. God wants to have a relationship with you, and he promises, I'll be with you forever. I'll dwell inside of you. The Spirit is always available and ready for friendship with his people. Okay, that's the first way he helps us. The second way is he helps us love and obey Jesus. So it is very hard to obey God. Because we are sinful human beings, we're flawed, we've fallen short of the glory of God, our hearts lead us astray, our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak at times, but the Spirit helps us love and obey Jesus. He's the one who helps us to love God. So when you become a Christian, if you become a Christian, like that moment where you go from death to life, that happens through the Holy Spirit's work. He brings your heart to life. He makes you a new creation. It is not possible to follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit waking up your heart. So the Holy Spirit helps you love and obey Jesus. And in verses uh, 15 and 16 of, of chapter 14, it says right before the verses we've read, it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper. So I think they're tied. Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, but there's someone who's going to help you, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to help you love him and keep his commandments. So if you're struggling to obey God or obey Jesus or love Jesus or love God, then you probably need the Holy Spirit's help. All right, the third or the third way that the Holy Spirit helps us is he teaches us, and he helps us to remember Jesus' commandments. 
So the Spirit is your own personal tutor in the things of God. He's your own personal tutor. He is going to teach you about God. He's going to help you remember things that, that you've learned in these sermons and in your Bible reading and in your prayer times. The Holy Spirit helps. So in, in verse 26 of, of chapter 14, it says, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Okay? And then in 16, 13, and 14, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but instead whatever He hears, He will speak and He'll declare to you the things that are to come. So the Spirit guides us into truth. I love it when I walk with a student and they're struggling with something. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just makes it real to them in a moment. I try to teach them. I try to show them, like, come on, why can't you see this in the Scripture? And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just kind of opens their eyes. So I invite you. Say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand the things of God. Holy Spirit, be with me as I read my Bible. Guide me into truth. And he will be faithful to do that. All right, the fourth thing, and this is one you're all going to be excited about. Because we like peace and we like comfort. The Holy Spirit gives us peace and comfort. So the Holy Spirit doesn't only challenge you and teach you things. He's not just there to help you get better and grow. But he also wants to be your friend and give you peace and comfort in time of need. The Spirit is available to give you peace. I struggle with anxiety, okay? So if you're in here and you struggle with it, it's okay. Me too. I cannot get through those seasons on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to give me peace and comfort. I need peace that surpasses understanding. And Jesus promised this. And in verse 27 of chapter 14, he says, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. And not as the world gives do I give to you. I love that. He says, not as the world gives do I give to you. I think the world tries to give us peace a lot of times, but it's cheap. It's very, it's very cheap and fleeting peace. Well, things feel good for a day or two, so I'm good. No, the Spirit gives you peace even when you don't understand what's going on around you. The Spirit gives you peace even when you're struggling. God invites us into a relationship with the helper who can give us peace and comfort. Okay, last thing. This is my favorite. I'm sure it's your favorite too. The Holy Spirit convicts us. All right, you've all felt this at some point, I think. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the help is not going to come to you. But if I give, or if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So to understand this work of the Spirit, it's important to understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. Okay, so condemnation is from the devil. It says that you could never, or it gives you guilt and shame. It tells you you can never change, and it tells you that God will never love you because of the things you've done. That's condemnation, all right? And then there's conviction, which is from God. Conviction is when God says, I've called you up higher. I've called you to something better. I'm not mad at you, but I've called you to leave that sin and to leave that thing that's destroying you, and to walk in the newness of life. That's conviction. So when the Holy Spirit comes and starts to convict you of maybe that relationship you have, or those things you're doing when nobody's looking, that's the Holy Spirit. He's trying to help you become the person that he's called you to be. So a great example of this for me, a story of me getting convicted, is my senior year of college. I'm in Bible college. I'm preparing to come here and be the director of Chi Alpha I'm in my last semester. I'm taking a class called Biblical Greek. And one of the assignments is to read the Greek New Testament every day and journal about it or something like that. It's like doing your personal devos with the Greek New Testament. And I thought it would be okay to just do it all on one day. I was like, I can do the same amount of work but not do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Just do it all on Friday or whatever. And I did that the whole year. And honestly, I didn't feel convicted. I didn't think there's anything wrong with it. But there's a moment where I was in a service, actually a Kyle service at the U of M, 
And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to stop doing that, and you need to confess. And I'm thinking, so at this point, I have a 4.0, straight A's, all through college, all through high school. And if I get penalized for this, then the grade's going to go down to a B, and I'm going to get a B in my last semester of college because I did something stupid. So I'm wrestling with it. Should I do it? Should I not? Can I just say, I'm sorry, God, and then just, you know, fix it from there on? And God tells me, you need to email your professor. So I email my professor. I tell her what I did. I, I feel really bad. And she emails me back like a sentence and says, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. I'm glad you came to me. So that's why you want Christian professors, right? But uh, so I ended up getting an A. But, but here's the thing. So the Holy Spirit convicted me, like, one, because it's wrong to do or to cheat. That's called cheating. Like, you're supposed to do it every day, not all in one day. The professor made that very clear. But also because he loves me. And he's a very good friend, and he knows something about me. And this is something about me. Maybe you're not like this, but for me, I have a super, super sensitive conscience. And I, get very, I feel very, very guilty about things. And he knew that if I got through that semester, cheating in a sense, on my devotions, and I got an A because of it, that I would feel guilty about it forever. The Holy Spirit loves you. He convicted me of that because he loves me. And he, he did not want me to feel like my A was a scam. He would rather have me come and tell and then still get the A because I confessed it. And the Holy Spirit cares about you just like that. He wants to convict you of certain things. He wants to lead you to certain things because he's your friend. He cares about you. He wants to help you be the person he's called you to be. I really think that that was the Holy Spirit showing me his friendship. So the Holy Spirit is the best kind of friend and the best kind of helper. He wants what's best for us and he wants to walk with us daily. But it's our choice to invite him in to help us. God's not going to help you if you don't want to be helped. You have to invite the helper to help you. All right, so one more brief point, and then we're done. So the third thing is this. We can push the Holy Spirit away. So the Holy Spirit wants to help us. He dwells inside of every Christian. However, his feelings can be hurt. The Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. He's not a force. It's not like, hey, may the force be with you, and the Holy Spirit goes and gets you. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's he has a personality. He has traits. And we can hurt his feelings. Push him away. R.T. Kendall says this in his, in his book, Holy Fire, that talks about the Holy Spirit. He says that the imagery of the Holy Spirit as a dove is very important to pay attention to. The Holy Spirit's a dove in that passage in Matthew because he's much like a dove. He's very delicate, very sensitive, very gentle. And he can be easily scared away. So he's not like the squirrels at you and I who just sit there while you walk up to him. No, he can be easily scared away. He's like the birds out in the country who are just like, hey, there's a person. Run. The Holy Spirit is like a dove like this. So, so picture this. He's like resting on your shoulder. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit. And he's like a dove. He's resting on your shoulder. But there's things we can do that kind of scare him away. All right, so I want to give you two things. The first thing is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. He says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So the first way you can scare the dove away is by grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul is pleading in this passage with us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And the way we grieve the Holy Spirit is through the way we treat one another. 
If we judge others harshly, talk poorly of others, carry bitterness and unforgiveness, or lash out in anger or, or slander people, that's when we grieve the Holy Spirit and he runs away. So if you're struggling to hear the voice of God in your life, I would suggest that you probably have bitterness in your heart, probably. Or maybe you're getting angry, maybe you're slandering people. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, and we have to be very careful about the way we treat one another because it affects our vertical relationship with God. Second thing is this, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's one more way we can hurt the Spirit. It says this, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In, in verse 19, this is the important verse, do not quench the Spirit. And closely related to that is do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So the second way we can hurt the Spirit is by quenching the Spirit. Quenching the spirit overlaps with grieving the spirit. They're similar. But the big difference is when, or when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it has to do with our relationship or with, or with one another. But quenching the spirit has more to do with the way we relate with God. So it has to do with being prejudiced towards the way that the Holy Spirit might want to manifest himself to you or by failing to respect his presence. So what do I mean by that? It has to do with fearing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life or not letting him have his way in your life. Quenching comes when we're not open to the Spirit's work in our lives because we say, oh, that's weird. Oh, I don't really want to be moved at all like that. I don't want to have uh, my day-to-day routine changed. Instead, I want to keep the Spirit out. That's how we quench the Spirit. So with that said, the Holy Spirit surely wants to help you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. But if you're not careful, then you hurt his feelings. And you'll scare him away. He is a person. He's sensitive. If you grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Spirit, it's going to be hard to hear his voice. The good thing is all we have to do to hear the Holy Spirit's voice again is to repent and ask for forgiveness and say, God, I'm sorry for that bitterness in my heart. I'm sorry for not letting you have your way in my life, and I want to invite you in. And then you'll be able to hear the Holy Spirit more clearly again. So the main idea tonight is this again. We're called to walk with the Holy Spirit in deep friendship and intimacy. We're called to walk with the Holy Spirit in deep friendship and intimacy. Some of you came in tonight with a very limited view of the Holy Spirit, very limited view. Perhaps the only thing you've heard about the Holy Spirit is he helped save you and convict you of sin. Perhaps you grew up in a church that didn't really teach on the Spirit. Perhaps you're a new Christian and and the Holy Spirit sounds like, like a Halloween thing or something, spooky. Perhaps you know a lot about God the Father and God the Son, but you failed to really recognize the Holy Spirit's work in your life. If that's you, I want to encourage you to try something this week. I want to encourage you to engage the Holy Spirit on a new level, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. Ask him to encourage you. There's nothing better than being encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the best friend in the world. Ask him this week, say, Holy Spirit, I need encouragement. Can you encourage me? Ask him to lead you to step out of your comfort zone. Guys, you can't step out of your comfort zone on your own. At least I can't. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I need that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I need him to empower me to be someone that I'm not naturally. So maybe this week the Holy Spirit wants to empower you in a new way. Maybe you're going to pray out loud in small group for the first time. Or perhaps you're going to come to morning prayer and pray out loud there. It's really fun in the morning. Perhaps you're going to try something different this week. You're not going to settle for what you've been doing every single week. 
Perhaps you're going to prayer walk the campus. Say, God, I want you to move on this campus. God, I want my time to count here at you and I. God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Perhaps you're called to go on the mission trip. And the Holy Spirit's going to ask you to do something outside of your comfort zone. I'm telling you guys, you don't need a sign from heaven for that. God loves mission. He loves it when you share the gospel. If you want to go, he's going to encourage you to go. It's all about you wanting to go. Perhaps that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do this week. Perhaps the Holy Spirit wants you to confess pornography. You have pornography in your life, and you need to confess it to your small group leader. Perhaps you're doing something with your boyfriend or girlfriend that you're not supposed to do, and God's calling you to take a break from that relationship. I'm telling you something, though. These things sound scary. The Holy Spirit is threatening to us, but I'm telling you, when you obey the Holy Spirit, there's no better place to be on the earth. There's no better place to be than with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're in the lowest valley or on the highest mountaintop. There's no better place than to, or to be with the Holy Spirit. I remember when we had our miscarriage. I remember it was the worst time of my life, but I've never felt the Holy Spirit's presence more thick and tangibly than in that season. The Holy Spirit can go to the lowest depths of your life into the highest mountain, and, but we have to invite him in. We have to let him lead us. I plead with, or tonight I plead with you. I plead with you to not be too comfortable. We are way too comfortable in America. We are way too comfortable. We don't have needs a lot of times. And because of that, we quench the spirit. The spirit is moving across the earth. He's moving in China. He's moving in South America. He's moving in Africa. Because those people have need, and they're desperate for him. But we're not desperate here in America. I challenge you to get desperate for him. To not have to have a hard time in your life to get desperate, but to get desperate now to get on the ground and pray and see God and say, God, I need you to reach my friends. God, I need you to give me boldness. God, I need you to help me get out of my comfort zone. The Holy Spirit wants to do something in this place. He wants to do something in this community. Like you may feel like I'm not qualified. And you may feel like I could never do great things for God. I have too much in my past. I have too much guilt and shame. I'm too fearful. But through the Holy Spirit, you can be someone that you never thought you could be. Peter, just before Jesus died, he denied Jesus three times. Peter did. Peter was Jesus' best friend. He denied him to a little girl by a bonfire and said, I don't know Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled Peter, and he stood up in front of thousands of people and preached the gospel, thousands of hostile people, and preached the gospel with boldness and faith. And 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And that was because of the Holy Spirit. God is calling some of you to be like Peter tonight, to allow his spirit to fill you, and to be bold, to be someone that you never thought you could be. Some of you are so scared to speak in public, but God's called you to be preachers. Some of you are so scared to challenge people, to challenge your fellow Christians, but God's calling you to put people-pleasing to the side and say, I gotta speak the truth. Some of you are naturally harsh, and God's calling you to be a person full of grace, and he's gonna empower you to be full of grace to love people like you never thought possible. But these things, they can't happen unless you invite the Holy Spirit to work inside of you because you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. So Holy Spirit, tonight we ask you to help us. Spirit of God, we ask you to move in every single heart in this room. Spirit, we ask you to help us to not settle for what's normal, to not settle for mediocrity. But God, I pray that you would light people ablaze with your presence tonight. God, I pray that you that you would raise up preachers in this place. And they don't have to go into ministry, but people who are going to preach the gospel. God, I pray that you would raise up small group leaders in this room. 
God, I pray that you, that you would raise up people who intercede for their friends, who pray in their prayer closet for their friends to come to know you. God, I pray that you would raise up people who leave sin no matter how hard it is. God, I pray that you would do your work in this place. I pray that we would not be a people who settle for less than your best. If you would stand with me tonight. I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight to respond. So maybe you came in here tonight and you think the Holy Spirit sounds sweet, like you're really lonely, you're depressed, you don't have a lot of friends, and the Holy Spirit sounds sweet to you. I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. He wants to live inside you. He wants to help you. But the way to have the Holy Spirit live inside of you is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. See, Jesus came when we were rebellious and sinful. He came and he lived the human life. He never sinned once. And then he paid our penalty on the cross. Each of us have sinned against God. Each of us have earned death through our rebellion. But Jesus went to the cross and he paid for our sins. He paid our debt. And all we have to do now is if we put our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit says, I'll come and make my home in their hearts. So if you bow your heads, I want to give you an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and to come to know Jesus. So if that's you tonight, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, if you want to put your faith in Christ and have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you to slip up your hands. One, two, three. Slip up your hands all across this room. See tons of hands up in this place tonight. You can put those hands down. I'm going to pray for you. It's a simple prayer of putting our faith in Christ and asking the Holy Spirit to reside in our hearts. Jesus, tonight we put our faith in your sacrifice. God, we say uh, that uh, we're not good enough. God, there's no number of things we can do to earn your love. God, we've sinned, we've fallen short, but tonight we put our faith in your sacrifice and we ask your blood to cover us and, and for you to forgive us and, and to give us a fresh start, to give us new life. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to live inside of us to make your home in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And there's just one more way to respond tonight, and that's this. Maybe you're a Christian already, but you just want to ask the Holy Spirit to be your helper. Can you put your hands up to heaven right now? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go right into worship. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to be our helper. Holy Spirit, we confess that we tried to do it on our own, and we need your help. God, we need your help. So Holy Spirit, come and lead and guide us. In Jesus' name.